The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me today. We've got a lot to talk about coming up on the program. You may notice something a little bit different about this show. If you're used to listening to me, well, we're a little shorter than we used to be. We're about 30 minutes each and every day, somewhere right around there. I wanted to make sure that this fit into your daily commute. That was a big part of this. And uh, you've asked me for this as well in many, many occasions. For those of you who have not heard me since I have been back, uh, this is basically the same thing that we've done all along. We talk about the news of the day, we talk about the newsmakers of the day, and we'll be doing interviews and we'll be doing segments and some commentary and all sorts of things that you've come to expect from the Craig Folly Show over the years. So, not a ton has changed on that front, just the format's just a little bit different, trying to be a little bit more user-friendly on this one. Enough of that. Let's talk a little bit about what we are going to be getting to today. I've got some thoughts on the new leadership in Lansing. Big changes have taken place since I was last on the air. Of course, we have a new governor, new people in control in Lansing. There's, of course, a big power shift taking place in Washington that we'll talk about as well. We'll also talk about what we need to do to return to a place of civility. Much has been made over Rashida Tlaib and her remarks that she made the other day in regards to whether or not to impeach President Trump, referring to him with a slang term that uh, many of us are very familiar with, but I still choose not to work blue, so I'm not going to mention it here. At the same time, there is a lot of hand-wringing going on over this and a lot of discussion as to whether or not she was in the right. Doesn't matter. What matters is what actions are going to be taken. We'll get to all of that stuff on today's program. So please, stick around. Got about a half an hour coming up of fun stuff and uh, informative stuff, hopefully, on the program. And I would encourage you, encourage you to get in touch with me. If you'd like to talk about what you're hearing, what you'd like to hear, the types of things you'd like me to tackle, please send an email to thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. That's thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. I'll be sure to respond, get back to you as soon as I can, and who knows, maybe take your suggestions into account. But stay with us. We've got a lot of fun stuff coming up. This is the first show of the new year of 2019, so it seems fitting that we focus our attention on the big changes that have taken place here in the state of Michigan first, our home state. And one of the things that you will notice as I go through this podcast and if you, as you start to listen to it is that I pay a lot of attention to things that are happening in Lansing because things that happen in Lansing uh, affect us perhaps much more deeply than things that happen in Washington. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, people paying attention to every antic that comes out of Washington, and I'm no different. I'm like everybody else in that regard. I'm just as interested in it as anyone. However, the stuff that happens in Lansing has a direct impact on our daily lives. So we want to get a sense as to what the new incoming governor is going to be like in her leadership role. Which kinds of things is she going to advocate for? What sorts of things is she going to be uh, directing the legislature to do? And given the fact that we have split power in Lansing right now with the Republicans in control of the legislature and a Democrat now in the governor's mansion, what impact is that going to have on our ability to actually come to agreement on policy? This is the first time in several years where there's not been one-party control in Lansing. Now, typically, from my experience, split power in Lansing tends to lead to better legislation, 
Now, I can't guarantee that, and that's sort of an anecdotal story on my part, but just been my experience that they actually have to put a little thought into what they put forward, or else both sides come out looking like they haven't done anything. Now, granted, some of the things that we're talking about that are going to need some sort of bipartisan cooperation are huge. Things like road funding. Is there going to be some sort of a tax increase as a result to, to pay for this kind of stuff? Is that the sort of thing that they're going to be willing to do? Will the Republicans give something despite their no tax increase pledge that they've given time and time again in the legislature? Or will they actually work with the governor to see if we can't come up with a road funding solution, something that is rational, something that is sensible and does not necessarily stick it to the wrong people? We don't know yet. We're going to find that out. Things like auto insurance. Are we actually going to get some sort of meaningful reform on auto insurance? Or are the two parties and, of course, the various special interest groups that that have been polluting this issue for a long time going to retreat to their familiar positions, uh, leading to stagnation and, of course, no real relief for people, especially in cities like Detroit? That's not an acceptable acceptable situation. And the thing is, it's only getting people's attention now because some of the suburbs around the major cities in Michigan are starting to feel the impact of increased uh, rates as well. That's not a good thing. So we'll talk about a little bit of that stuff a little bit later on. But I do want to talk about some things that the governor uh, has already done in her first few days in office, things that have taken place just over the first four or five days that she has been in office. And most of those, of course, are executive orders. Uh, With the legislature not in session yet, uh, that's really what they can get done at this point in time. That's going to change very soon. But already, already we are getting some signals as to where Gretchen Whitmer wants to go. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I like getting an idea from a president or a governor as to what direction they want to take. What things can you control and what sort of a message are you sending about what you want to accomplish? Now, Gretchen Whitmer in her first few days has definitely stressed the idea of government transparency. No more using personal emails for government business. That's a big deal. And one of the great things that she did via uh, executive order, and this is something I've been pushing for for a long time, is basically... A way to eliminate a law here in Michigan that allows appropriations to be put on controversial bills that prevent people from voting on this or putting them on the ballot for referendum purposes. If you put an appropriation on a bill, so say there's a, a right to life bill or, or perhaps there's a bill that the Democrats put out that um, you know changes something and conservatives don't like it. It doesn't matter who does it, but all the legislature has to do is put an appropriation of even $1,000 on something or less. And it makes it immune to referendum. You can't gather signatures to put these things on the ballot. You can't challenge them that way. That is something that citizens groups have been upset about. So some very controversial bills over the years have been passed with these referendums attached to them, making them immune to voter challenge. The emergency manager law comes to mind. That is the way that the governor, Governor Snyder, got around the voters on that issue. Voters spoke very clearly. They didn't like the emergency manager law in Michigan. Well, they went back, put it in there again, and they put an appropriation, meaning that you could not put it back in front of voters again. That's not a good thing. So that's not what people want. They do not want the government messing with things that they have spoken very clearly on, whether it's legal pot, whether it's any of the other things. This has been happening. But adding this this little trick, and it is a trick, by putting in a, a meaningless appropriation into a bill that otherwise is controversial to make sure that voters can't have their say on it if they don't like what the legislature has done, I don't think that's a good plan. I've never liked that. And this sends a strong signal by Gretchen Whitmer that this is not something that she is going to tolerate, and she's not going to be, uh, she's basically sending a message to the legislature to not do this. Now, here's her quote 
And this is what she suggested. She said, quote, state government must be open, transparent, and accountable to Michigan taxpayers. To continue to earn public confidence, we must set good examples and act ethically at all times. This series of executive directives underscores the high expectations and integrity Michiganders should expect from the dedicated public servants who serve in state government. Now, yeah, that's a simple statement from a politician, an easy statement to make. But at the same time, it sends a message about what matters. Transparency matters. Now, is the rubber going to actually meet the road on the question of transparency? Are we going to actually see the governor, the legislature, subject to Freedom of Information Act requests? Michigan is one of only two states where the legislature and the governor are exempt from FOIA. That's not acceptable. That's what's made it so difficult for the public to get information about what happened with Flint and what's happened with a number of other issues. So that's something that we need to actually take a look at. So I like what she's saying about this. And granted, she's been in office for all of six days at this point, seven days. And we definitely need to see what comes out of this. But the right message is being sent on this issue of transparency and this issue of the need to be more open and accountable to Michigan citizens. Because Michigan has not been open and accountable to its citizens for a long time. So I like that message right there. I thought this was a good idea. And so you've also got a couple of other directives that I just want to talk about. You have uh, Executive Directive 2019-2, which is something that dates back to the 1950s. Uh, You issue instructions to state departments and agencies that require the reporting of irregularities relating to public money or public property. So you have a requirement to report anything that you find that is out of the ordinary in that regard. That's a great thing. You also have 2019-3, which is an executive order. It establishes a policy of the executive branch of state government for standards of ethical conduct for department directors, appointees of the governor, and employees within the executive branch. These are all geared towards what happened in Flint. Now, also, you have Executive Directive 2019-4, prohibits soliciting or receiving political contributions inside state facilities. That's a big deal as well. I think that's a good idea. I like it. And also, you basically then have some other regulations in there which prohibit basically doing any campaign work on public time or on public grounds or public equipment. Good stuff right there. To, 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 to wrap it up quickly, I like what I'm seeing, at least from a stance standpoint, from this new governor and what she suggests that she's going to stand for, especially when it comes to ethical behavior and openness and transparency. These are all vital things. For citizens in a state like Michigan, and they're more vital than they've been in a long time. We have fewer reporters that cover the Capitol on a regular basis. We have not as many people, frankly, paying attention to what happens in Lansing because, frankly, it's not as sexy as what goes on in Washington. But as I said, this is the stuff that actually hits you in your pocketbook on a day-to-day basis that actually impacts your daily life and impacts the quality of life in our communities. This is the stuff that matters. Just know that this program is going to be committed to making sure that you're up to date about these things. And it doesn't always sound that exciting. I realize it. But I'll make you understand why this stuff matters. I will make you understand why you should pay attention and make you understand why you should care. And you should vote accordingly based on what you think is good or bad public policy coming out of this administration or any administration. My goal is not necessarily just to sit there and give you a little bit of news, but also some thoughts on why this stuff works or does not work. I will be doing that on a daily basis. So 
Just wanted to get you up to speed on the first few days of Gretchen Whitmer and what her administration is up to. We're going to get a lot more of an idea coming up in the next few weeks. And we'll see. We'll see whether or not there's a spirit of cooperation that's going to exist with the new administration, or is there even going to be a honeymoon period for this governor? Given the partisan nature of politics these days, given how uh, tribal things have gotten in many instances, this is not going to be an easy sled for anybody. The new leaders in the Senate and the House are going to have to find a way to work with this governor for the common good of the citizens of the state. We've seen what paralysis in Washington looks like. We cannot afford to go there. We can't get as bad as things have gotten there. Now, granted, from a leadership standpoint, people like Rick Snyder, Gretchen Whitmer, not exactly known for the sort of fiery rhetoric that we get out of Washington. That may help. That civility aspect of these things may help a whole lot. And let's hope, let's hope that we actually have some some bigger minds and some really good ideas that come out of Lansing. There need to be. Because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening in Detroit. A lot of great things happening in Detroit, but there's still a ton of work that needs to be done. And if we don't work together, it's not going to get done. We can't afford that. We're not out of the woods. We are not immune to recessions. We are not immune to political problems, and we are not immune to financial issues at this point. We still have a ton that we need to address and a ton that we need to fix, and it's going to take everybody rowing, at least attempting to row, in the same direction, in a spirit of trust and cooperation that frankly hasn't existed for a long time. I think we can get there. This is an interesting start, but most importantly, we need the politicians to trust each other, but but more importantly than that, politicians need to know that we as voters trust them. And the only way to do that is by following through on this need for transparency, this need for accountability, and this need for citizens to know what their government is up to. Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with me on the Craig Folly Show here on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me on this Monday, and I hope you found the podcast okay. If you've got any issues, just let me know. There are things that I could do to make it a little bit easier. We'll get there. And while I'm thanking you for tuning in, I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. Again, that's Mad Dog Professional Services. Big thanks to them. And of course, if you would like to be a sponsor of this program, it's easy to do. Just shoot me an email to thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com and we can talk. All right. do want to talk about a couple of other things here uh, that happened over the weekend, really, and, and have been talked about to death on the Sunday shows and everything else. But I haven't had a chance to really chime in on this. Uh, but Rashida Tlaib, of course, the newly elected member of Congress, a Democrat from Michigan's 13th Congressional District, uh, famously used the phrase MFR. You know what that stands for, uh, to talk about Donald Trump, President Trump, and whether or not he should be impeached. She said she was talking to her children and she said, we're going to impeach that MFR. And she did this at a rally. And people are upset about this for some reasons. And some reasons are probably, look, it's silly. We're adults. We have heard language like this before. And yes, while it may not always be the best way to talk, and it certainly isn't, it's certainly something that I think is below what politicians should be doing. At the same time, the person she directed it to is notoriously crass. At the same time, that's not a level of discourse that I would like to see, 
But I'm also not going to sit there and suggest that this is the end of our democracy because she said it. It's not the end of our democracy that Donald Trump has said the things that he has said. I think he's outrageous most of the time. I think he does things to get a rise out of people, and he's gotten a lot of political mileage out of that. And maybe he has shaped politics in a different way, and that's something that's going to carry forward. Maybe this is just the new normal for the level of discourse we have in this country. And I'm not going to suggest we're sliding towards idiocracy at this point, but you got to think about it. Now, Rashida Tlaib, I've known for a long time, since she was in the state legislature. I've interviewed her on a number of occasions. I know her to be an intelligent person. You may not agree with her policies. She may be a little left of you. She may be far left of you. But at the same time, her using this phrase, I don't think, is a threat to our democracy. I don't think it's something that we're going to be talking about a week from now, let alone two days from now or two years from now. This is not something that is going to go down in history as this pivotal moment. And I certainly think that the you know clutch, you know pearl clutching and the hand wringing that is happening over this, especially uh, by the folks over at places like Fox News and and some of these uh, you know right wing websites, is also a little bit ridiculous. Because if you're going to condemn this language, then condemn the language coming from the president. It's that simple. If this is not the level of discourse that we want, then call people out for it. That's fine. You can do that. But at the same time, don't act all offended and pretend that this is somehow a breach, somehow something that needs to be corrected or or a bridge too far, because it's just not. It's a word, everybody. It just doesn't matter. They're words. And when you give words more power than they should have, they become just that, powerful. This is the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for being with me on this Monday. And I thought I might wrap up today's program by talking about one of the things that's on my wish list for 2019. Now, I'm not convinced that this is something that's going to get done because it has been tried before and it has failed on numerous occasions. But one of the things that we must address, and I think both parties agree on this in Lansing in particular, is that Michigan's auto insurance system needs to be addressed in some comprehensive way. Rates are unaffordable for people in the city. Rates are creeping up all in the suburbs around Metro Detroit as well as a result of this. And there are a lot of different reasons for it. My concern is that we are going to get derailed once again by the same partisan arguments, and not even partisan arguments, but special interest arguments that have kept this from getting done in the past. What we do know is this. Rates are high enough that far too many people are forced to drive without insurance basically making them violate the law because they can't afford to pay $1,000, $2,000, up to $6,000 in some instances for car insurance just to own a vehicle. If your insurance note is more expensive than your car payment, there is something that is seriously wrong. And this is not a problem in other parts of the country. This is a Michigan thing. And it is, of course, related to our very, very unique no-fault law here in the state. That's okay. Lifetime medical benefits for people who are seriously injured in car accidents is a laudable goal, and it is something that we have done for decades here in the state. However, there are things about this system that can be fixed and can be addressed. And the problem that we've had time and time again is that those entrenched interests have basically scared the crap out of people to the point where they're not willing to make any changes to the system, even though there are things that could be done that don't reform the entire system, but could result in lower rates for drivers here in the state of Michigan. And that should be the goal here. There are too many 
too many financial interests that have impacted how we even talk about auto insurance reform in the state. You have lifetime benefits. That is an important thing, especially for people that need serious rehabilitation after a car accident. I don't think anybody disputes that, and it is a great feature of our system. However, the vast majority of people who get in car accidents or utilize their car insurance are not in need of lifetimes worth of care. Those that are, that money is there. There are billions and billions of dollars in the catastrophic claims fund. How that money is invested is something that has not exactly been public. We don't know exactly how much money is in there. We just know it's billions and billions of dollars. Some transparency to the system there would be something that helps. Of course, the insurance industry doesn't necessarily want that to happen. They would like to keep that information secret. So there's one interest group right there. Two, personal injury protection. Auto insurance is incredibly expensive in Michigan for this reason. Auto insurance companies pay more for the same medical services than health insurance companies do or even cash-paying customers. Doctors and hospitals can charge, in some cases, three and four and five times as much for the same procedure to an auto insurance company as they do to a medical insurance provider or the Medicaid or Medicare system. That is something that can be addressed, but we have not yet done so because the lobbyists for the health insurance, or excuse me, the health industry and the hospital industry don't want that to happen. This is a cash cow for them. Now, here's the other thing that goes on. There are a whole lot of people that feed people into that medical system in the form of attorneys. So anytime you get into a car accident, if you've had any sort of medical care, attorneys will be calling you shortly thereafter. They get reports about this kind of stuff. They all come in at the same time, and it's like a bidding frenzy for them. They're going after people who get in accidents, getting them to seek medical care, often steering them to clinics that they may even have a financial interest in in some cases, to keep that pipeline of money flowing. We have seen instances where attorneys have taken kickbacks from clinics and allegations of kickbacks from clinics to basically inflate the number of tests that are being done, get this expensive treatment, get it on there because they get a cut of that kind of stuff. So this is something that we need to stop. So the trial lawyers are part of the system as well, as is the health companies and the health insurance companies. There are no good actors here. They're not all awful, but when their cash is on the line, they're going to fight tooth and nail to keep the system as it is because there is a whole lot of money at stake, billions and billions of dollars for these industries each and every year. And that has paralyzed us to the point where we can't get anything done because of the misinformation about what is going on with auto insurance in the state. People are afraid to make a change. They don't want to lose a benefit that they have. And I, I can understand that. I can understand that. But if we can't even agree on what the problems are with the auto insurance system, we're never going to get to a comprehensive fix. Now, Democrats have long liked to argue that this is a, the problems in Detroit with auto insurance are, are race-based, frankly. They will suggest that there is, uh, you know, there's an unfair use of credit scores when it comes to determining rates, uh, that people are being basically uh, penalized for their zip code. It's a modern-day form of redlining in their mind, and they make a point. Most people can't see why using your credit score is something that would determine whether or not you are a safe driver or somebody that would be a good risk for auto insurance. I can see that. The auto insurance companies don't necessarily want to show us the algorithms that they utilize to determine these rates. Others will argue that it's simply, oh, the theft numbers are higher in the city, therefore you have to pay more. But that's not necessarily true. When you look at how many people actually live in the community, how many cars are stolen there, it's really not that out of whack. And the rates really aren't that much different. What it comes down to is personal injury protection. 
this is where we have to make some changes. And while I'd like to see the elimination of some of these things that lead to redlining, I think there are some solutions that we could come up with without going that far just to get rates down temporarily. And then we can whittle away at some of that other stuff. We need to take some sort of steps towards doing this. And one of the things we need to do right away, and this is something that Governor, or excuse me, Mayor Duggan has been talking about for years, is we need to whittle away at the different rates that auto insurance companies pay compared to health insurers. Now, he, of course, wanted to take that away or give people the option to not have the lifetime medical benefit, but instead match New Jersey, which has the second highest lifetime rates in the country next to Michigan. Give people the option if they wanted less expensive insurance. It went nowhere with the delegation from Detroit at the time because, again, they wanted to repeal all of the things that they deemed to be a racist and out-of-date policies when it comes to what they call redlining. But what the problem we have here is that we are making the perfect the enemy of the good. Yes, we need comprehensive auto insurance reform. We need to take a look at how the auto insurance companies are determining how much people pay. We need to see some transparency with the Michigan Catastrophic Claims Fund. We need to see some changes made in how people are determined as whether or not they are a good or a bad risk. All of these things definitely need to be addressed. But there are simple things that we could do right away to give people relief while we look at the bigger picture and fight the political battles that exist around this one. This cannot be an all-or-nothing proposition right now. We need relief now. And there are things that could be done in the short term that could lower people's rates. A lot of people don't want to vote for anything that doesn't have a guaranteed rate reduction of a certain percentage. I get that too. I would like to see something in the law that suggests that you're going to see a 30 or a 50% discount in the amount you're paying for auto insurance if these changes are implemented. But that might not be possible at the moment, given how much money is going to be poured into this debate and how much we are going to be entrenched on either side to make some real reforms happen. But it is time for the hospitals and the doctors to recognize that charging auto insurance companies a different rate than everybody else for the same procedure isn't something that we can allow. It's not fair. It's not good for consumers. And while it may bolster the bottom line of health systems, which are struggling in many instances, and I get that, we need to come up with some sort of sanity when it comes to the rates that are being charged for these procedures. Because medical costs are what is driving most of the increase in our premiums. More people are utilizing these doctors, more people are utilizing their auto insurance to pay for medical procedures than they are with their health insurance in terms of, of accident victims at this point in time. Why wouldn't your health care take over after a certain cap to make sure that you are covered? Why wouldn't that make sense? And why wouldn't having some sort of a rate schedule, a public rate schedule, so we can see what the average rate is that's being charged for an MRI and what everybody else is paying for the same procedure so you can make a determination as to whether or not we're being ripped off? This is not something that is that difficult to comprehend, and it is something that could lead to immediate reductions in our rates if indeed there were some sort of caps or a fee schedule that we could see as citizens so we know what we should be paying for medical procedures. That's the kind of thing that's going to lead to real rate reductions in a short amount of time. And if we could just get some relief right now and everybody could see that the sky isn't going to fall if indeed we do this kind of stuff, well, then we might be able to tackle the bigger picture here and determine whether or not our no-fault system is still the system that is going to work going forward.
But unless we break a couple of eggs, we're not going to have any omelets anytime soon. And if we just keep sitting there holding out for all or nothing on this issue, then we are never going to get there. So my wish list for 2019 includes real discussion and real rate reform on auto insurance. That's going to take compromise, and it's going to take people standing up to the moneyed interests that have been fueling this debate for a long time and confusing the issue for a long time. We as citizens deserve better. Despite all the hand-wringing that we have seen, we have seen a couple of politicians make an attempt at this only to get beaten back time and time again by those moneyed interests. We need that to stop. I think we can do it, but it's going to take Republicans and Democrats working together to recognize that something needs to be done, and it needs to be done now. We don't have time to mess around. And that's going to wrap up the Craig Folly Show for this Monday here on Deadline Detroit. Thank you very much for being with me. Hope you found the program to be interesting, somewhat enlightening. Just know that there are going to be a lot of things that we're going to be doing during this program that we will get to in the coming days. Lots of interviews and other things that are going on around town, and uh, we will keep you up to date. In the meantime, shoot me an email. Again, it's thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. Give me some feedback here. Let me know what you'd like to hear. Let me know if you've got something going on that you think people need to know about, and we'll see if we can't work that in. While I have a moment, a big thanks to our sponsor, Mad Dog Professional Services. They focus on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. We certainly do appreciate their help, and I appreciate all of you. We'll talk again tomorrow. Have a great day.